Connection Podcast Network listeners, welcome inside the Wrestling Warzone, a Mind of War's podcast retrospective series. I am JT, and joining me as ever is my partner on the show, Chad. Chad, how are you? Doing good tonight. I had an adventurous night at the baseball field. Terrible call went our way. Ended up in a four-run inning. We need robot umps for the pitching <laughs> machine league. <coughs> what was the bad call? On the basis? Uh, well, so... Like, it's the same guy that is the official and the uh, ball feeder okay. for all the games. And he just, he doesn't care. Like, he'd rather right. be anywhere else. So, he sucks. But um, tonight, like, the ball got hit. Uh, and actually, uh, so the pitcher was on the uh, third base side of the guy feeding the balls in. So the guy hit it to the pitcher, uh, the official or whatever was in the way. So like the pitcher had to double clutch to throw it to first and he throws it to first beats the runner by at least a step. Uh, the guy calls them safe. No, oh, geez. So that made it bases loaded. It was one to one at that point. Uh, that actually made it two to one because the bases were loaded. They would have been out of it. And then uh, the other team has these two, they're like the Bash brothers, these two like <laughs> middle of the lineup guys that absolutely cream it. And they came up. And then before you knew it, it was like seven to one. So Jeez. completely, completely blew the game open. Like it was awful. Like it was like as bad enough you were in the way. And then to get right, it the that wrong. Yeah. yeah. It was like, come on, man. Um, so the playoffs start Thursday. So thankfully it wasn't a playoff game, but no, it's good. it was brutal because Caden was pissed. Like he was like, that guy called it wrong. He was definitely out. <laughs> I was like, yeah, he was out. Tough lesson to learn, buddy. Get used to it. The, uh, yeah, the strategy in these, in these games are interesting. I've, uh, been coaching, um, my daughter's softball team too. And it's kid pitch. It's like, they're just beginning to pitch. So it's just all walks and steals pretty much, but you can steal, so, and it's four runs per inning. So it's like the strategy of coaching the bases, like, it, you know, it's more about development, but if you are trying to get, get a win, the strategy is all about like trying to steal as many runs as you can and when to do it. So in the first game, it was, we were down, I think seven, six going into the fourth and the clock, it's an 80 minute clock as well. So you're playing against the uh-huh. clock. So it's all this uh-huh. strategy. So I told the third base coach, I'm like, dude, just send them as soon as they get to third base. And like, so we somehow snuck in a run um, to get it seven, seven. And it was like two minutes left. And I'm like, I kind of give the signal. I'm like, just get, there was a girl on third. I'm like, just get her home. She's got to steal to have any shot. So the pitcher goes to pitch and the ball she kind of like spikes it into the ground when she was trying to pitch and it counted as a pitch. So he sent her and they just got her out easily at home. And he was so upset at himself. But I'm like, dude, it's okay. It's not that big of a deal. <laughs> but he's like, I can't believe I sent her. I should have waited one more. I'm like, it's okay. It's okay. But it's like the strategy behind that is like kind of interesting. Like, because the girls are playing to develop. So they're not really picking up on the score. But as coaches, yeah, kind of like, oh, we could, you know, we could maybe steal this win a little bit. And and they actually in this league, like they have an app with the scores and everything. So 
and like we played a pretty good team that actually has like three girls that could pitch. So it would have been a cool little win to notch for the first game, but he uh he took that one. He took it to heart that he blew that blew the play there. This uh the team we played tonight, their third base coach is pretty obnoxious. So like the catchers in this league are, uh, you know, they're it's the worst player because you're not even catching the ball on the pitching machine. So there, there's no plays at home. Right. So I wish they would do it where it was a dead ball in the infield. Right. But they do it where like it's a dead ball if it goes to the pitcher. But there's generally like an otter system. But yeah, this guy he's pretty obnoxious. So like if there's a play at second. And they throw it to the second baseman, but there's a runner at third. He'll just send them because, I mean, you're not going to get them out. Like, there's nothing you can do. You can't chase them down. Right. You can't throw it home. So, it, it's uh, – I don't know. It's 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 definitely broken from a development standpoint. Cause it's right. Like, you're what, not really what, learning what, the game. What can yeah. you do? Yeah. You can't you might as well do just do. You might as well just do, like, hitting practice. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. They, they got to – I'm going to send an email. I'm sure it won't matter, but they need to change. First off, I'm sending an email in protest of the guy that they had <laughs> officiating all these games. Because, I mean, he's been brutal all right. all season. Like, he just does not care. So, it's like, look, I mean, this guy's getting paid. So Right, yeah. It's like he's doing yeah, it. If it's a volunteer, it's one thing. Yeah, but when yeah. you start getting paid, it's like, you know. Yeah, we got to have a little pride here. So, right. Oh, fun times. I, I think I'm more... I, I definitely get more invested in the baseball than the soccer because I'm more, right. I guess, aware. But yeah, yeah. Although the little league baseball is frustrating. It's I, I joke tonight at practice. I said it's the worst hour of the week, and three the other three coaches all left. <laughs> it's fucking maddening. It was well. Yeah. There was I mean, once he blew that call tonight, there was almost a mutiny in the stands. <laughs> it, it almost got ugly real quick. <laughs> well, that. So. In one of the softball games, too, in the other game, like, the ump missed the girl swing. Because sometimes, you know, they, they like, swing late. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. they, and the ball went by, and the ump turned, and she swung. And he, it would have been strike three, and it would have been out of the inning. And then she ended up walking, and they scored, like, two more runs. So yeah. I was excited about that. But I'm like, okay, I'm not going not gonna to already be the guy who's arguing <laughs> game one in the 10-year <laughs> softball. But. I, I have helped. Uh, some on this league when they needed it, like an extra guy, and right. luckily tonight they didn't. And luckily my dad wasn't there because if I was on the field, I probably would have been coming and on pretty good. Like the the uh, the main coach, he's he's kind of uh, you know, oh, it's all right, we'll get it next time. <laughs> I was I was steam. I was definitely steam because I just think like this. This was one case where it really did change the trajectory of the whole game. Like the right, game right. was over after that. Like it right. was over. There's no chance. So, yeah. Yeah. So. And I know it's like, yeah, you want to say it doesn't matter, but you know, you're still in the moment. It's like you want it to just not. Well, and it teaches a bad print. I mean, what's it right. teach? It's like, oh, well, this dude's shitty at his job, so sucks right. for you. I mean, okay, like, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, it gets tough knowing how competitive to get because yeah i mean you certainly don't want to be like one of those like peewee football dads right like knock his head off you know? yeah it's like when does it start to become okay high school yeah. college? like i don't know you know i'm not sure when it starts to be okay to get get revved up about like results you know i guess once they start traveling like triple a or something maybe yeah it's just and it's weird here because like caden soccer league they don't keep score still right and like basketball Ball, they keep score right away and 
in baseball, like in T-ball, they kind of do, but, kinda, you know, they don't really know. It's just like, oh, this is our, like, Carson played T-ball this year, and he didn't know whether he won or lost. No, yeah, they don't. But now Caden knows. Like, they know what the score is. Right. So, I don't know. So, I, I would say it's starting to at least be competitive. Like, they're showing some com- competitive, yeah. like, initiative, but. You know what else is competitive, Chad? It's the Monday Night Wars. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) Well, not as competitive right now, though, as it should be. (laughs) No. Uh, So we're going to start this week on Nitro, uh, September 16th, 1996. We are in the fallout from Fall Brawl, of course, and we are inside the Asheville Civic Center in Asheville, North Carolina. We get our opening animation, Tony and Larry. Talk about the horrible news coming out of Fall Brawl. Larry says, if only they would have trusted Sting like he said to, they would have won. We get stills from War Games, including Tony talking about imposter Sting and the real Sting walking out on his team because he was mistrusted. Larry says Sting is sensitive and he should get a job with Mother Teresa. This is war. Larry doesn't trust Miss Elizabeth now either after all this. We get clips <laughs> of earlier where the NWO street team is handing out flyers to fans as they entered into the Civic Center. And Tony says the NWO demands will be met per their agreement at War Games. So that's a pretty good opening little recap here. Yeah, they do a pretty good job hitting the high points of the pay-per-view. Uh, they let us know Sting was in Japan last week, so they now why they didn't know that. I mean, they kind of, in some ways, they sort of make themselves look like dumbasses because they're like, oh, we, we didn't even think about that. Well, it's like, well, come on. But, but at least it gives them an out. Uh, Asheville, North Carolina actually got the full nameplate, so... I guess they considered it a big enough market right, proud, where they could say, there. yeah. And uh, again, Face Hogan still in the opening animation. Um, so that was my takeaways from this kind of, but it was it was good setting the table uh, for the night ahead. All right, let's get to our opening match, which is Rey Mysterio Jr. taking on Juventud Guerrera. Red Hot opener here. We're starting with a bang. And, of course, there's some history with these guys, too. Going back to ECW earlier in the year, Tony talks about Hoovy's big showing at Fall Brawl, where he took Conan to the limit. A nice pop for Ray, who put down Super Glow last night at Fall Brawl, as we talked about last episode, in a strong showing. A lot of talk about Sting all through this. Tony talks about everyone being paranoid. Larry says it's time for a leader to get WCW ahead of the NWO. Tony says NWO has extended their demand from a TV segment to an entire program. So they don't want just one you know, 10-minute segment now. They want their own show. Tony says Glacier will finally make his Nitro debut tonight, so we got a big uh, night ahead. Hoovy uh, gets a great back elbow to cut off Ray during his opening flurry. Ray comes back with a big hurricanrana to the floor as we go to break, which is a cool spot to go to break on. Hoovy then takes over. We get a nice springboard 450 for two. Continues to really own the match until Ray pops up out of nowhere and ends up stealing the win. Uh, as a fun opener, not not long enough though to get cooking. Uh, wasn't the nonstop sprint you'd maybe expect to get the show going, but I thought Hoovy really showed well. He's been great so far. Ray is Ray, and the cruiserweight division continues to rule uh, and and set the table on these shows. I think they're finally starting to figure it out. Less and less are we getting the the Duggins and the Bubbas and the Dungeons of Doom and the openers and more of the cruiserweights. So that's a plus. So I went two and three quarters, Chad. I thought it was just a little a little short of getting cooking and getting the right amount of time to really get going, but not bad considering how much time they got and the positioning they were given. Yeah, I went three stars. Um, I I think well, previously, like with Hoovy so far, he's been a little sporadic just because of the competition mm-hmm. he's been facing. Uh, not really facing kind of uh, 
wrestlers that'll play to his strengths. Right. Because he, you know, we talked about who he's going to take a lot of chances. He's going to throw a lot of ideas. You kind of have to have a glue guy to keep it together and to hang with him athletically. Uh, and Conan was gassed, even though that match from Fall Brawl was, I thought, good. You thought really good. I, I did think there was instances where Conan was definitely gassed by that. Uh, Ray, obviously, is a great pairing for him. Uh, and they showed that off here. I also mentioned uh, the kind of throw to the break. That was such a cool spot to do that with. Uh, it was an awesome tease. Like It looked spectacular. Um, uh, Hoobie hitting the springboard spin kick and baseball slide, and I say moonsault all look good. Uh, and then the finish was really cool, where Hoobie's going for a top rope super power bomb, but it gets reversed into a Rana in midair. Uh, so really cool finish, really fun match, three stars, and we're off and running. All right, Mike Tanay is with. Chris Benoit, Steve McMichael, and Deborah. Mongo says, Lex Luger better beg Sting to come back and get involved. And Mongo made a promise of trouble if Luger and Sting let them down, which they did. Deborah brags about Mongo. Benoit issues a warning as well. And then Mongo just kind of yells for some reason at the end. Um, This is pretty good. What do you think? Yeah, no no issues. Um, Kind of the main thing was it set up the tag team match later on for Benoit and Mongo versus Sting and Luger. Uh, but each of them, like Mongo, gave a decent promo, and Benoit's promo is actually pretty good too. Um, you know, nothing to blow you away, but considering the other two members of the Horsemen and their promo capabilities, I, I thought this was a good promo um, situation for them. And still no, um, still no Gene either. Right? Like yeah. Gene's off the show. If we can go ahead and say that. Like I don't, I don't know what was going on, but he's out. Maybe so Tanae, yeah, Tanae handles all this um, and does a good job. And Deborah seems to be getting more comfortable as well. Um, so this is this is fine, like enjoyable. Yeah, I mean by the book, and I kind of like the payoff too. Like they had really talked that up a lot leading into the match. You know, like yeah. that they were going to make them pay if they fucked them over, and right. they got pulled out of this match for Sting and Luger, and Sting's the one that ends up screwing everything up. So, right. um, or you know, maybe not directly, but he did, and Luger was part of that because he didn't trust them. So the two of them combined really are the the reason they lost in the end. All right, we got a Glacier hype video, features him actually talking as well, uh, some basic gimmick stuff. He says. He uh, found his old master in Japan, started training under him, developing an awesome mixed fighting style. And he talks about what his paint and his shield all mean. So kind of our final <laughs> invitation yeah. to meet Glacier before his actual in-ring debut. Yeah, I mean, this was fine. It was just like it's been so long that you were kind of like, all right, just come out there, dude. Um, I mean, the origin story is also a little hokey. Mm-hmm. Like it. It still, to me, feels like a gimmick that wouldn't have felt that out of place in early 96 or when the vignettes first started. Right. But now with the NWO landscape, it already feels a little dated. Um, kind of, you know, we found an old master. He's combining all the best styles. His name is Splinter. It. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's a little cartoonish or occupational. Uh, feels kind of like, you know, Dungeon of Doom-ish. So right. it feels like we're a little bit beyond that. All right. Well, see how it plays out when it debuts. Uh, next match features Ice Train taking on Diamond Dallas Page. 
Tony says, we'll see the real sting tonight. And Larry wonders if Luger can even trust him now. Tony thinks it was a motion in the heat of battle. Ice trains out with Teddy Long coming off his big win on Fall Brawl. And Devin Dallas Page awaits him. He also had a quality win on the pay-per-view. So we're showcasing all of our winners here out of the gate, which is cool. Or uh, who didn't win, but had a good showing. Tony says, WC is falling apart at the seams. Larry says they have a leader in an organization uh, that follows him as far as the NWO is concerned. Ice Train's fired up. He lets out a big train noise uh, as we get going. Page tries to take over, but Ice Train's overpowering him. Larry says Teddy is a weakness that makes Ice Train soft. Page catches him with a shot from the apron, so has to work into his strikes. Uh, you know, as I've continued to watch DDP, we've talked about this. It gets so much smoother in the ring here these last few weeks and months. Especially on offense, you could see him actually threading stuff together versus kind of being start-stop like he was for most of the year. Uh, we get a pretty good ice train comeback with some near falls, and then we see the NWO street team picketing outside the merchandise stand with some placards. So we actually missed the finish of the match as ice train won, but it looked like Teddy tossed a towel in. Uh, so Patrick took that as a submission. So ice train actually lost, but... Uh, you know, confusing stuff, but it's just really to showcase that Nick Patrick is kind of fucking with these guys. Ice Train tries to kill him afterward. Uh, kind of a dumb finish. I thought the match was fine from what we get to see. I think it's dumb, A, that we missed the finish. B, uh, the, the finish that they did. And C, it doesn't make Paige look good. Like, coming off the pay-per-view, um, you know, we saw him with the, with the big one over Chavo. We've been talking about his climb up the ladder. And it feels like this is a step back, like this kind of sneaky win. That wasn't even his own sneaking. Like, if you want to give a heel a sneaky win, just have him be the reason. Don't luck out because the manager and the you know crooked referee did something. And then Ice Train, too. I mean, he beat Scott Norton. Like, that was a big win. And even this makes him look stupid. So I feel like if you're going to have Patrick shenanigans, you probably could do it better than this. Uh, and I think these are two guys that didn't really need this finish. Like, you're trying to build them up a bit, give them something a little bit more to dive into. So I went two stars in the match, which was fine. I just thought the ending, which seems to be a, a bit of a trend with WCW. If there's one weakness for me right now, it's their endings. Uh, I went two stars in the match. Uh, two stars too. It is a, uh, it's a funky ending. Um, on the replay, they show that Dallas actually does grab the towel and like throws it in. When Patrick's distracted. Oh, okay. I kind of missed that. Patrick right, thinks you. it's Teddy. So right, that that's not as bad, makes a little more sense. Yeah. But um, but as far as the production standpoint of it, it was it was a mess. I, they I, they something didn't queue out, so it it didn't look good. Um, I mean, you could say like the NWO is causing anarchy, but it just didn't play, play out it very up. well. It'll play it up that you, way. Yeah, and you can actually see there's a moment when they go backstage where you can tell they uh, gave, like, the action sign to the person that was wrapping the caution tape around the merchandise booth yeah. because he looks at the guy and, like, nods his head yeah, just, and like, starts wrapping yeah, yeah. it around. So that it was a, a, a kind of becoming more of a rare gaffe on the mm -hmm. production side. Um Especially considering, like, they had that triumph in the rain a couple uh, last week, really, with the Sting stuff. So this was unfortunate. Um, as far as the match itself, I thought the power moves was pretty good. We did have a, a shots fired, I thought, from Tony here. Uh, he mentions that they have bar none, the number one wrestling program, each and every Monday. Look it up. So there you go. There you go. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, and then uh, Ice Train with the shoulder blocks and his power moves looks pretty good. I agree that Dallas is getting much more smoother in the ring. 
Um, he hits the swinging neck breaker, which looks good. Larry is on one with Teddy Long. He says, like, Teddy had to help Ice Train win last night because his men aren't tough enough to do it themselves. So he's uh, kind of crapping on the big train here. Um, but, yeah, I mean, overall, this was fine. I, I, I do think I would like to see DDP <sighs> – I don't know. It's interesting because it almost feels like this is beneath DDP, but then it's mm-hmm. like, well, Ice Train did get the big win over Norton. So I, right. I don't know. I think they just value Ice Train more than I do. Yeah. Um, so that's 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 an issue. But it would be nice for DDP to be in a more, I'd say, mid upper mid card feud at this point. I think he's earned it. So hopefully that happens. I would say if he's soon. not going to be U.S. champ yet. Like, give him the TV belt for a little bit or something. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like, let him have something that shows he's, like, really growing or, like, a, a player. Because, again, he's just kind of in his little mini-fuse or mini-matches. And a lot of times he has, like, weird finishes. Like, it's almost like I don't mind a, a slow build up the car. But I feel like we're, we've are we been in neutral with him for a bit now. So The TV championship overall is really uh, devalued at this point in time. Like, once right. Luger... You know, Luger has it for a while. He loses it to Regal on Saturday night on August 31st, 1996. But we haven't even heard about it. I couldn't even told you right now who the TV champion. Like, Regal never even has it on TV. Or Luger never had it on TV. Um, Yeah, I think Paige should have won that instead of Regal, maybe. And and, and maybe just have him elevated a bit. And then if you want to get it to Regal, because I know they had bigger things for Paige by the end of the year. But it's only September. Like, if you're not going to elevate Paige until December, like, why not let him have a couple-month TV title reign, you know? Yeah, I don't feel like the title in of itself means much until, like, Booker T, Chris Benoit, Rick Martel in 98. But maybe it could have, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, it definitely could have. Want it here, and he's on TV every week, hitting guys with diamond cutters, and like making yeah. it a making it a thing. We don't even see it right now, you know. Yeah, I, I had no clue Luger was even still champion. He beat he beat Mero for it, like Johnny B. Bad. That's what he yep. wanted. It was right before yep. Mero left, so it's like, I mean, that's how long he had it, and yeah. I don't think he ever mentioned it. I don't think he's ever worn the belt out at all. Uh, he yeah, I mean, the only time he wore it out was when him and Sting were tag champs. He'd have like a little double belt thing, but but that's been a while. It wasn't a point of emphasis. Yeah. So. All right. Uh, so we check out the street team again. They have NWO merch uh, wrapped over the WCW merch table. So just a really cool grassroots feel continues for the NWO with all this. Uh, we come back from break, and out of nowhere, <laughs> yeah. we've been talking about this. When's he showing up? Sean Waltman is sitting in the crowd. Tony right away says, this man was the one, two, three kid in the World Wrestling Federation, but he has been released, and he is no longer with that company. So they're avoiding the lawsuit troubles here and not trying to hint that, you know, he's here on behalf right. of the or anything. Uh, but I thought, what do you think of the way they did this? Like, I think it's, again, in your mind, you may say, like, oh, like, they could have done so much more and blah, blah, blah. It, this adds like such an air of unpredictability. Like shit, we're gonna come back from commercial, and like there's a major guy jumping companies potentially, or just a guy from another company just sitting in the crowd. Like it's just it adds to like the suddenness and the randomness of what could happen on this show. Yeah, they've done a good mixture. So this is the sixth member of the NWO, and three of the members, Hall, DiBiase, and now six, have made their debut. Kind of just walking out right. or 
kind of randomly being in the crowd in the first hour of a nitro. Mm -hmm. And then the other three, Nash, Giant, and Hogan have been more like show pieces and to show or turn. Right, big angles. Uh, yeah. yeah, big angles. Uh, so it's a good mixture. I think it keeps you on your toes. Um, I mean, certainly, like, from a viewership standpoint, like, if you're just kind of, you know, settling in for the evening and you saw six out there, um, I mean, I probably wouldn't be checking out much of Raw <laughs> because you'd want to see what was happening. So right. I, I think it's effective. I, I thought it was kind of cool. Yep. No, I agree. All right. Back to the ring we go as Super Kolo takes on Conan. A uh, good mix here. Plays off the earlier match. We kind of swapped opponents and Fall Brawl with the opener. And now this. Kolo had that great showing of pay-per-view. Conan's having some momentum going since he's switched roles. Jimmy Hart leads Conan out. He's got his Mexican world title with him. Uh, pretty even back and forth. Tony talks about WCW's tough night. Kolo opens it up with a, a big somersault senton to drive Conan to the rail. Larry talks all about Jimmy Hart and Kevin Sullivan's mindset, which is seeping into Conan's style and his attitude, which is helping him grow in the ring. I thought that was some pretty good talking points there. Conan yeah. slows things down with some limb work and kind of twists Kolo around. Kolo flies again with a springboard plancha to the floor. Conan cranks the arm. He torches Kolo some more. Conan ends up on the floor and Kolo slingshots into a senton onto him, which looked like it really hurt. Uh, Kolo goes up again, hits a missile dropkick to the floor off the top, and this was fucking insane. Uh, back inside, Conan hits a tight DDT and kicks off a flurry of near falls and eventually finishes with a splash mountain bomb. Uh, so this was a damn good match. Kolo, Kolo was insane. Uh, Conan has a really good base for him. Some big spots. We get some grinding for Conan into a good clean finish. Uh, I've really come around on Conan 180 with him in this role as a heel much, much better than some of the, the slop we were watching earlier in the year, uh, even beyond just like one man gang and that crap. But even just the, some of those Conan face matches were so just boring and bland, but he's been much better as a bully heel, especially getting in there with some of these smaller guys that he can throw around. So that's worked well. Uh, Kolo looks like a, a find for them. You know, you don't really think of him at first when you think of this group here, but he is, he showed out. So I went three and a quarter, Chad. I, I really like this match. Coming quite the Conan mark here. Yeah. Uh, I went at three stars. Uh, I thought this was probably the best Conan performance, too, uh, that we've seen. Um, because I think, uh, one, the match was more compact, so that helps. Uh, two, instead of, like, some of the weird spots that has plagued him in some of his other matches where he's clearly catching his breath, here he had a... Uh, he mixed it in with some like nice submission moves. So I mean it's 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 filler, but it's good filler. It's not him, right. you know, conversing with Jimmy Hart while he's just letting the baby face, you know, get a breather. Um uh and Colo's high spots have really been uh, amazing. Both mm -hmm. the uh the head scissors arm drag, that great missile drop kick to the floor. He always gets big air and looks kinda like a, a missile. I mean, you know, coming down. It, it always looks really cool. Uh Conan's power moves here looked effective as well. The wheelbarrow slam that got the near fall before the splash mountain in particular looked nasty. Uh also throws in a nice gut wrench power bomb at one point. So it's uh this was a good back-and-forth match that mixed in the high-flying of Kolo versus the power moves of Conan and uh, 
kept up a good pace. So uh, another really good match. Uh, this has been in rig a very solid mm-hmm. uh, first hour. And that's something we've been critical of, right? Lately, like that they're <laughs> seemingly not taking as good advantage of the pieces they had on the roster to cobble together some like good hours here. And, and these are guys that don't need a lot of time to deliver these types of matches. Like you can give Cohen and or Ray and Hoovy seven and a half, eight minutes and they can, they can churn one out versus giving seven or eight minutes. And I keep, I, you know, I don't, I don't want to keep slandering these guys, but some of the stuff we've seen a lot, like Doug in and Ming and these guys, like they're fine, but they're not going to give you the same quality output in, in eight minutes. Yeah. V- VK do. wall street. Right. Yep. Yep. So it seems like, you know, we'll see if this is a trend or just, tonight right uh all right mike today is with sean waltman he says he's trying to stay incognito he was in japan he heard nitro was red hot he figured he'd come over and check it out he wanted to come to fall brawl last night to see war games but he was on his plane he missed two one he's, he wasn't sure today confirms for him that the nwo won and waltman fakes being upset about that result which i thought this was really funny fake sincerity from uh waltman yeah his uh I think this is where it works that it's today instead of Gene. Right. I really think Gene would have been like way over the top. Um, oh, yeah, he would have been too cool for school for this. Yeah, it'd be like, oh, give me a break. You know, he probably would have barked back at him. Um, Waltman saying like, darn it, that's too bad. What uh, <laughs> today tells him to be over with was very funny. I mean, this was a great personality for Waltman because mm-hmm. it's his personality. Like, right. This is him. Um. We didn't get to see much of that in WWF as one, two, three kid, even as a heel, you know, he's right. Doing I was that, just about like, to say that same thing. thing. Right. Like we we're used to him as a heel now coming off the back end, but exactly right. Like the last we saw him of him wasn't like a cool snarky punk heel. It was just like as a bitch, you know what I mean? Like a whiner, yeah. even in those final stretch of razor when they were tag champs, but like he was always just like a, a baby. So um, we haven't got to see like this cool asshole, Waltman at all so and they and I think more than I mean like Hogan was certainly like beyond lame in the red and yellow so he's instantly gotten more cooler mm-hmm. than heel but like I mean Hall and Nash it's been neat watching them um but they at least had fairly you know I mean Diesel was big daddy cool and WWF so he had they had decent personas that weren't that much radically different um this really feels like okay okay, this is like the authentic sean waltman Mm -hmm. and he'd never been able to play that character like even in global or you know it's 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 really cool to see someone that at this point in time was six to seven years uh in the business and now he's finally able to uh portray a character that seems like a natural fit like he has that personality down pat where he's kind of you know a little punk ass that can be annoying or Mm -hmm. can be like you know if he's on your squad he's like the pep squeak you love you know like any sports team so it's it's cool right yeah i mean he's a guy that can he's like a world-class guy too so you can go out there and have like an awesome match on top of it all yeah yeah great worker too yep all right, we get our WCW Saturday Night plugs in. Uh, the amazing French Canadians will be in action, along with Jumpin' Jim Powers, Ray Mysterio, and then Kevin <laughs> Sullivan and Conan in tag action. So. No, Pretty, not much, not much match wise. Well, we know Marty, Marty Sleaze was turn, tuning in for Jim Powers, but other than that, uh, not not a lot to uh, 
go on. No, no matches, like actual matches announced. They just said who was there. The I, spent, I spent the night with Marty um, at Backlash. <laughs> a great time. I think we 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 covered uh, every possible topic of pro wrestling. I think across dinner and and the show. Yeah. So conversation more or less sporadic than a night with Groomberg. Uh, uh, probably on the same like level, but just a yeah. uh, different type of presentation. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. But it was a great time. It was uh, me and Marty never got to spend that much time together, so it was a lot of fun. Uh, he sat right next to me at the show, crossed with me at dinner, so we we ran the gamut and uh, good to see him. So I'm hoping to see more of him, of course, in the future. And he's a huge supporter, Chad, as we know, of Wrestling Wars. Out, he's he knows these episodes better than I do, based on the stuff he brings up. <laughs> yep. All right, back to the ring where we have Brad Armstrong taking on Hugh Morris. Tony talks with the animosity with Sting and Luger, but here's they patched it up and they're going to tag team tonight. Uh, very random match here. Tony talks more about how they all fucked up with Sting and it cost them. Talks about WCW now hanging their hats on Randy Savage. Morris overpowers early with a very basic start as Larry wonders what kind of mind games Miss Elizabeth is going to play as she sees Savage reaching for that checkbook. I like Larry's still pushing this angle. <laughs> Uh, Tony thinks she really has feelings for Savage after last night, and whereas Larry thinks she's playing him. Uh, Larry says Brad Armstrong is the best of the Armstrongs, but he's taking an ass-kicking here. Morris hits the no-laughing matter, but does a very lazy cover, and Armstrong rolls him over for the win just as we hit our two. I thought this was pretty boring. Uh, not much doing here. Real dumb finish. Like, I don't know where we're going with any of this stuff. I like Armstrong better than Hugh Morris, so like, I'm not going to complain that he beat him, but you would think Morris is more of a guy they're lining up for some kind of push at the dungeon versus Armstrong has been presented as nothing. So star and a half, but it was, it was pretty boring. Really the focus is all on the, on the NWO. Yeah. When I started three quarters, this is more like the hour one slog stuff we've kind mm-hmm. of seen. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, like on one hand, it's like, I don't like Hugh Morris. So like him getting the upset, it's like, okay, that's cool. But if you look at it from, the standpoint of the show itself it's like yeah i mean what what are they really going for um mike could have done some more you know tinkering that the dungeons in complete disarray still with giant defecting and that's what caused it but they they didn't really go that route so overall it just felt like like a one-off uh random upset we'll see if they follow up on it but it, it felt weird um Morris being very overconfident was right. interesting. Um, as far as the match itself, like again, like they did at least give Brad a few hope spots, um, where like he gives a quick inside cradle in the beginning of the match. So it's like, oh, okay, they gave him a hope spot. Uh, no laughing matter, like fine, but otherwise a pretty pedestrian match with a. Uh, like a fun finish for the two seconds that happens when it's like, oh, he got him, but right, you know, where's it leading? It almost wonders if it's really meant if they did these things more to put over the unpredictable feel of the show. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like this is a guy like who really gives a shit like about Hugh Morris. So it's like if they can do this and show like anything can happen. I mean, I don't want to like give them too much credit, but they are playing chess here a bit. So would it shock me if they did this to plant the seed in your head for down the line where they want to do something with a guy upsetting another guy? Like it wouldn't shock me if they were doing this kind of stuff to, to set expectations that yes, this type of upset can happen. Yeah. I would say between this show raw and then the eventual in your house mind games, like we have more 
instances in the next couple of episodes on this podcast that I can remember. Well, we'll have to discuss that game of how intentional right. uh, the company was and what they were presenting. Uh, because I, I can think of a few examples already mm-hmm. from these shows where it's like, well, was that intentional? Right. You know, did they just use Morse as a casualty, which is fine. Um, or, uh, you know, they just needed a spot and picked these two guys and then picked an upset finish. Right. That was that. So I don't know. All right, Mike Tanay is in the aisle. He brings out Savage for a chat. We see stills from last night from his match with Giant and the insanity after War Games. Savage says he's a million miles below rock bottom, but he and Hogan are alive in the same moment of time, and things are going to get really scary because now he's down to one last marble, and once he loses it, nothing else will matter. Hogan should bring it on. Uh, so pretty simple, just showing Savage is like really at the edge of the cliff here. Uh, about to go over, and he's trying to take Hogan with him. Yeah, I like these Savage promos, though, uh, the last few weeks where mm-hmm. he's been, you know, cranked up, but still, like, you know, like, really teetering on that edge, and you're wondering if he'll snap. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed this. I've, I've actually enjoyed this Savage character more than I remember. Mm-hmm. Like, he's someone that I feel like was kind of – floundering until the ddp feud 97 and i haven't got that indication so far like he 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 feels like he's fitting right in you know everything's working good so enjoying it well he's almost like the unlikely potential savior right because you figure well he's not really a wcw guy he's someone that may be likely to jump ship but he hates Hogan just enough, right? That like that he may um, be the guy to do it, and like all of a sudden he's the hero that we may need in all this. Um, but he's also had this w- crazy tumultuous year, right? Flair tortured him, and the stuff with Liz. So like he's already been on edge all year, and now suddenly we find ourselves like we need this dude. So yeah, no, he's he's been entertaining. Like, I can't think of anything really with Savage that you and I have been down on, um, other than like the uncensored cage or whatever, but he wasn't the problem. A lot of that stuff. So right. we've been pretty okay with him pretty much this whole time. Even with the, the, the flaws with him and Hogan, we usually were ebbing more toward Hogan or booty man, you know? Yeah. I would say he's had a, a, a good 96 where, mm-hmm. you know, worldwide Savage is still a top 100 worker mm-hmm. uh, worldwide. So I, you know, I don't know. We'll see when that drops. Like, it may be... I, I think it's easy to point to him tying off the cage at 97 Halloween Havoc. Is that when he falls and blows out his knee or whatever? Yeah. But um, we'll, we'll see if he's able to maintain the momentum up to that point. So far, so good. All right. Uh, Bischoff is on the scene. Eric Bischoff and Bobby Heenan. They reset us for hour two. We cut backstage and the NWO is partying at the limo. The drinking got a red solo cups. Uh, even fake sting is there living it up. Hogan says, there's no one left to beat up. And Nash says, Hey, NWO nitro sounds great to me. So a, a pretty cool segment again to show that they're just kind of feeling themselves. And you know, it's a party atmosphere with these guys. I like, I mean, I like how in a week, uh, you know, like the fake sting, they're, you know, that it's went from, okay, it was believable to now it's, you know, full gimmick too. <laughs> right. That's just him. <laughs> I, I, I think they've done good there. Yeah. And, you know, with six joining the NWO, also why that they don't 
technically like claim fake sting as a member you know because he would be eight then six would be seven right yeah. <laughs> but uh so so I, I like that i mean i like that aspect i i it's it's one of those things with the fake sting that you definitely could think could get uh very hokey very quick yes. but the way they played up here it's like oh it's the stinger <laughs> right well there's such pricks that it's like they're not trying to still convince you right they're right. just right. they're just being assholes like right. just, oh you're a sting you know we got them right they're almost rubbing it in yeah right yeah i mean, I mean I, you got I that like tim you know yeah, you had that with Giant playing the promo on the the uh, cassette recorder. Right, right. <laughs> well, like my first CD player. <laughs> <laughs> All right, right to the ring we go as Macho Man Randy Savage takes on Scott Norton. Could be good, and it's also a callback, chat, if you remember. Mm-hmm. But a year ago, uh, they wrestled on the second ever Nitro, I believe. Right, remember they had that showdown at ringside. Yep, on the first Nitro. Or one of the first Nitros. Savage attacks uh, Norton in the aisle. We're on. Bischoff talks about Elizabeth's feelings for Savage and the actions that occurred last night. Savage is all over Norton here. is mauling him. Bischoff talks about sending guys to Japan as his deal with New Japan. He didn't realize by doing that he'd leave Savage out to dry and how that led to these problems with Sting. So interesting approach here. And like you talked about earlier, like what seeds, what's not, what's some of this stuff. Uh, I think these were seeds. Norton hits a nasty powerbomb for two. Savage makes a fiery comeback, but Norton hammers him down, is controlling with his power. We get more talk about Sting as Savage lands a hard clothesline. Norton takes control again and starts to really wreck his shoulder and his arm. Savage grabs a chair and beats the piss out of Norton and eventually gets disqualified. And I like that finish. Uh, given Savage's mental state, like, it's fine. Just have him snap and just destroy this guy. Uh, he also throws Nick Patrick out of the way as well during the fight. <laughs> Uh, this was fun. The shoulder stuff was focused. I thought Norton looked strong hanging with Savage. And Savage had him beat pretty much, but you know what? He doesn't give a shit. He snaps anyway. And this really had good energy. So in two and three quarter, uh, this is a pretty uh, enjoyable match. Yeah, I went three stars again. Um, this is a, a kind of a rare show where I have three matches at three stars or better. Mm-hmm. Um, so three good matches on this edition of Nitro for me. And it's not... I mean, we'll get to it with the grade, but it's not one I think's like amazing. So I think that again speaks to the overall quality that they were pumping out week after week. That you know, this is a show that has three good matches, has some decent storyline development, good storyline development, and it's just kind of you know a cool debut in six. And it's you know <laughs> just like oh yeah, it was another really good nitro right um, instead of like oh this was amazing. Uh, so quick start with Savage going nuts. Um. Yeah, I, I thought the stuff with Bischoff was very interesting. I've I've enjoyed him on commentary. I've thought mm-hmm. about that. Like, I think he's been very good. And this, this in particular, felt like the first uh, moment when they really were pumping to what happens in what about two months from now, actually, yep. for the culmination. So, I I don't know if they had decided that. I think or, so, because I think there's been other seeds even to this point Yeah, where he said little things. It's like, oh, you know, how did that happen? You know, like the shit like that, right? Like it's just it, if you add them up, I think if we I've kind of been half paying attention. We haven't been tracking them, but I think if we really went back and made a list, I bet there's been stuff for like a month, at least a couple of months here that you could all point all the way back to saying, OK, this all makes sense. He was doing yeah. this all along. You know, there's like, just like, oh, who let them in or who signed this deal? Right. It's like little <laughs> shit like that that they keep saying along the right. way. Uh, so huge layer from Macho Man action spells the outside. North goes really hard into the rail. Mm-hmm. Uh, DDT 
on the inside and then that nasty shoulder breaker, uh, which always looks great. Uh, it goes for the post. Norton does, but Savage is able to reverse that. And then I enjoyed the DQ finish, too, where Savage yeah. just goes nuts. Three huge chair shots, kind of concussion-inducing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, him chunking Nick Patrick got a huge pop from the crowd. <laughs> yeah, so that was, was uh, that was a fun moment, too. Three stars. Really good match. I, these two match up really well. Like mm-hmm. This is a, a sneaky pairing that you might could have put on pay-per-view for like 12 to 13 minutes, and they could have had a really good match. Yep, agreed. All right, let's keep going. Bischoff, Bobby, and today talk about the NWO some more and talk about Randy Savage's big opportunity in Las Vegas, a Halloween Havoc that's coming up uh, in about six weeks or so. The time has finally come, Chad. We are here. <laughs> yes. As Glacier makes his in-ring debut against Big Bubba, the time has come. Get the full laser light show. The karate <laughs> poses his way out. Snow's pouring down. Uh, in another world, this is done as a parody, <laughs> like the way it's done. It's so over the top. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, um, and it, it'd be like a, a movie or a TV show today doing like a crazy over the top entrance for someone. That's what this feels like. He's doing these big karate poses and moves. Uh, snow is coming down everywhere. Bobby says the locker room is all talking about Glacier, about how he's going to change the sport. And today says many are jealous of him and his skill. Bischoff talks about Glacier's family being involved in law enforcement as we get going. Uh, we have dimmed blue lights for the entire match, which really is this Glacier showing off martial arts move while Bischoff kind of explains everyone that he's doing. Bubba sticks and moves, gets some strikes in, but eventually Glacier comes back with a sidekick to pick up the win. Uh, essentially a squash. I mean, they're clearly trying to go all in on Glacier here. We'll see how it plays out. I just want one star. Uh, were you surprised that they picked Bubba to feed to him this way? Uh, I thought Bubba was okay, as we talked about, as a decent hand to pick up a win. First win, but not, you know, too big of a first win. Um, kind of feels like they go around the same level next year with Goldberg when we get there. We're like Mongo, where he's at. So we'll we'll see. Um, you know, I was, I was trying to think. What do you think's the most successful, like, mood lighting wrestler? Was it Kane in the early going? Or it feels like it's something that never works. Like Yeah, Sin, I feel like even that Sin got, like, yeah, I feel like even Kane got, like, bitched about early. Yeah. And they ditched that pretty quick. It's only, it's right. not that long. Nope. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't think it's ever really worked. Yeah, it's it's something that aesthetically I can understand, like, it might be cool, but it just doesn't. I don't know. Don't feel natural. Um, kind of tough to explain. Yeah, I mean, Glacier's all karate here. And right. Bischoff being an expert in that field helps it a little bit. But uh, it was kind of weird because, like, he whiffed on a lot, too. Like, on purpose. Like, they were saying, oh, he missed that, but he got this. But it's like, from one standpoint, it's like, well, I mean, Bubba don't exactly look like the most, like, nuanced or fastest wrestler in the world so if glacier's whiffing on these kicks it's it was kind of up and down like i would say this was like a terrible entrance or anything right Um, and it was cool like the entrance with the snow and the music um i i just think it's one of those things where it's like again we're four and a half months in on his Mm -hmm. vignettes there's just nothing that could have happened 
right. that could have been successful. Like it, it was too far gone. Like you're you've you've invested too much. Right, right. And people the expectations are too out. high. Yeah, and the expectations are too high. Yeah. Uh, the blue lights, if work for anyone, it's, it probably would be for this only because of where it goes. Like once they decide to almost take him out of reality and they build that little world around him, the lights and the presentation make a little bit more sense. I mean, this character may have worked better in WWF, too. I mean, because, like, <laughs> Bubba, when he makes fun of the karate and does the pose, like, he gets a face pop in this match. Right. So, I mean, it happens from the very first match. Yep. There's a little bit of backlash. All right. Back to Eric, Tanay, and Bobby. They're talking about all the NWO's demands, but Sting comes to the ring before they can talk any further. And he kind of gets a mixed reaction. So the crowd... Maybe not too happy with what happened at War Games. Sting says last Monday he was flying from Los Angeles to Atlanta, turned into Nitro, and thought it was a rerun with this convincing film of him. Bischoff says, why won't Sting look at the camera right now as he paces around? Sting says everyone doubted him, including his best friends. Bischoff thinks it's symbolism of Sting turning his back like they did to him because he won't face the camera. He saw more doubt of him on Saturday night, and then at Fall Brawl he tried to talk to Luger, but all he got was more distrust from his friend. Sting has been a mediator, a babysitter. It even gave Luger the benefit of the doubt a thousand times over the last year. Bischoff uh, says he doesn't like the tone right now <laughs> and where this is headed. Sting says he carried the WCW banner for years, gave everything he had to the company, and for everyone that ever doubted him, he'll stand by them if they stood by him, but not everyone, because those that doubted him can stick it. From now on, he's a free agent, and he may show up time to time when least expected, and then he heads out. So this is a huge promo. It's a major shift in the war between NWO and WCW. And Bischoff wonders what it could mean for tonight and in the future. And Bobby says it's clear that he's been hurt by what happened. And I like the way this went. I thought Sting nailed the promo. And I love that they brought in the Luger stuff um, to this because that's the most damning piece of all this if you're Sting, right? Like, yep. here's the guy that was a douche, like, in the past, <laughs> right? You stood by him when everyone else was calling him out and saying he was full of shit and all this other stuff. You were the guy that completely stood by him. And he was the first one to doubt you with the first hint of uh, trouble. So like, that's all the motivation sting really needed. And then you layer in how all of WCW did that as well on top of him. And it's like a very justifiable thing he did. Shocking, like great promo. Mm -hmm. I think from sting, um, different type of promo. Then I think Sting's ever had to deliver up to that point, but extremely effective. Uh, feels a little forgotten. Um, you know, I think most people remember him walking out on war games, but th this is a key, key piece. And he really lays out the next year right here, like what he's going to do, like with the free agent and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, for all that doubted him, you can stick it like the delivery and the words he chose were, were very well done very strong promo he you you understand where he's coming from if you're not also a little bit disappointed um so over, overall very very strong segment very strong promo well it makes me wonder too like we're keep talking again about seeds like do you think i'm sure it's out there but like at this point do they already know it was gonna be a year of him doing this you know what i mean like it i wonder how how it I evolved right yeah i don't think they knew like long, long term. Um, right. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I you know, like 
and somebody can correct me on the timeline, mm-hmm. but I believe like Sting was he left to you know like clear up some personal stuff. Right. So so that's what's happening. Um, you know they probably didn't know exactly how long that would happen or what would happen as a result, but uh, it's a heck of an out, and we'll right. we'll we'll have to track how much we see him because it's a, it's gonna be interesting to see like how many times he pops up. Right, because in my mind, I don't have a clear picture of him being there until like January. Because him yeah. and Savage, you know, we don't want to get too far ahead, but they start doing it together. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, yep. and I feel like that's kind of when it starts. So yeah, the back end of '96 was thing is my curiosity point. Yep. Yeah, I got that. Like the back end of '96, then that stuff you talked about, and then uncensored mm-hmm. for sure, and it's all to the races. But yeah, up to that point, I don't know. So. Well, I'd have to see the next, like, two or three months how much he shows up <laughs> okay. in the rafters or whatever. We'll track it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eric, Bobby, and today trying to kind of decode what we just saw, figuring it out. And that brings us to our next match, which is Chris Jericho and Marcus Alexander Bagwell taking on Ric Flair and Arn Anderson. Quite the match here. Uh, I guess, I don't know if Jericho is Bagwell's friend like uh, Sting was randomly a few months ago, but uh, a lot of Sting talk. Bobby thinks Sting is basically putting off feelers to the NWO with that promo. Flair's music hits, but the horsemen are a no-show. We cut backstage where Flair and Arn are trying to convince a very upset Miss Elizabeth to come to the ring. Woman says she'll talk to her. A lot of tension here as Liz is petrified with the NWO attacking her. Flair, Arn, and Woman finally emerge and hit the ring. We see Waltman in the crowd. He's got a remote control, and he presses a button, and out come leaflets for the NWO from the sky. So Bischoff says it's now obvious that Waltman is with the NWO. He is the sixth member of the crowd uh, of the crew because he uh, did this now to trigger the the flyers. We get the NWO street team walking around the crowd as well as the guys in the ring tear up the flyers that are falling. After the break, Bischoff uh, shows off one of the flyers, which talks about WCW now paying the NWO's bills and NWO doing TV their way. Bobby thinks that Amu Sain may be in the NWO as well as Jericho dominates. Bischoff says Ted DiBiase has come to him. It said, as vice president of television, DiBiase increased uh, his demands before the match to ensure the NWO did no show. They want NWO TV show, and Bischoff had to give in, and more details on that to come. Flair's feeling himself as uh, lights up Bagwell, but Bagwell has a fun little comeback, peppering strikes. Flair has black pads and boots on, which look kind of weird. Arn is busted open over his eye. Bischoff talks about an NFL head coach special coming up next on TNT. Flair stomps around ringside in the aisle, tearing up the flyers. Bobby puts over DiBiase as being shrewd, being a great combination with Hogan's power and money. Tanay uh, says he's shocked that Bischoff gave in to the NWO, but Bischoff said he was held up at war games. He had to do it. Pretty basic stuff as Flair and Arn just pick apart Bagwell and Jericho with some classic tag work. We cut outside of the NWO piles out of the limo. Waltman included is with them now. They're all smiles and high fives. Giant plays the tape deck. This is where we hear the tape that they use for the fake sting to trick everybody. Giants all jokes and laughs suddenly. It's a big quick shift from him for being an angry giant. He's kind of the, the, the huckster now. Uh, back to the ring. Uh, Arn is working over Jericho. DDT's him on the floor. Bagwell mounts a comeback. Tanae and Bobby agree the NWO's been in the works for a long time. This has all been threaded together. Woman goes to Bagwell's eyes and Arn DDT's him to finish him off. Uh, I thought the match was base, pretty basic. It never really got going. I, I think we could have put someone else in here versus Jericho. Um, he's been presented so well. He came off the awesome match at Fall Brawl. I mean, why not put Brad Armstrong here instead of earlier, right, uh, with with Bagwell? And then this makes me a little more sense. It was just nothing going on. It was more story than match, tons of distractions going. So I went two and a half. 
uh, a little disappointing. And again, I think I think they could have protected Jericho more. Yeah, I went two and a half too, uh, but I, I liked it for what it was. It was certainly something that was more about everything else that was going on instead of the ring. Um, you know, they've done this a couple of times now, mm-hmm. though, like with the Faces of Fear tag a couple of weeks ago. So they 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 clearly like in that semi main event slot, right? Have no problem having these. You know, everything's happening and the match is taking a back seat, which is, mm-hmm. is, it's an interesting approach, but to me, like it's, it's a dangerous approach, but it's one that, uh, they're doing so many cool things right now that I'm giving them a pass still. I just don't want to, them to rely on it as a straight crutch. Um, so yeah, tons of stuff happened here where six, you know, releasing the flyers in the beginning was uh, I mean that was kind of fun and cool to see, and then like the the uh, people immediately start wadding them up and throwing them into the ring, so it gives a little bit of a visual uh, throughout the rest of the show. I like the thread of Miss Elizabeth and how she still, you know, was shaken up from last night, so she didn't uh, want to come out and escort Flair. Uh, even woman seemed a little off her game as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the commentary, I think the commentary was very key here again, where today questioning like, Oh, I'm surprised Eric, you gave into their demands and all that. And him talking about how like it was a holdup and he had to, for the match to go on. Like they're really getting over that. Like Eric is the decision maker and, um, it, it's it's subtle enough that what happens is very cool, but I mm-hmm. I, I really like the way it's happening. Uh, when they cut to the NWO backstage, um, few fun moments like them calling Waltman Big Man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, funny. Uh, <laughs> Eric's like Big Man. <laughs> it's uh, a gas that they do that. Um, Giant is a lot more jovial all of a sudden. Oh yeah, it's, also, it's, it's a weird, it's a weird change. That's the only <laughs> thing that feels a little off here. Like, I feel like they should have maybe evolved into that. Like, loosen up, Giant. You know, like like and they yeah. there, you know, versus like all of a sudden he went from being a, a deranged, angry monster to being you know Jerry Seinfeld <laughs> it's like overnight. Right. Uh, as far as the match itself, I thought Jericho and Orn had a pretty good sequence starting off. Uh, Good missile dropkick by Jericho. He's continued to look good. His face in peril sequence was pretty good here. And then, uh, you know, the the finish as far as woman raking the eyes and getting the DDT from Arn and the figure four was uh, solid stuff. So the two and a half stars for the match. But again, it's, it's much more about the match instead of the match itself. Yeah, I liked your point, too, about how they're setting up bischoff by starting to like leak in that he's a bigger role than just an out like they've done it a little bit right like he was the one that interviewed hall and nash back at um great american bash and they attacked it like they've hinted at it and it feels like they're setting the template that vince will use you know a year from now right where they start to slowly reveal his role in the company so um bischoff's definitely ahead of the game here with a lot of this stuff yeah and again like I mean, this is like one of these weird weeks where you get from fall brawl to mind games. Um, and again, like a lot, it's 
me watching my games as well. Uh, by the time we recorded this, I'm a little ahead. But, you know, in the main event of my games, like, mm-hmm. Vince tells him to stop the match. And, like, he kind of breaks kayfabe or right, whatever right. a little bit, like, to go check on him. Um, so, so that's, so you're getting that more on both shows, which is interesting to see, like, that finding out who's really in charge or whatever. <laughs> yeah. All right, main event time is supposed to be Sting and Lex Luger taking on Steve McMichael and Chris Benoit. The horsemen come out with Deborah. Bischoff says, we'll see if Sting shows up. Luger comes out on his own, and after a break, there's still no Sting, so we get a handicap match. Bischoff explains who won't be here next week, and Bobby gives him shit for tipping off the NWO about it. <laughs> like, why are you telling them? Luger takes some offense, but he's hanging in and actually makes a little comeback as he gets overwhelmed. The crowd's a bit flat here as we drag on. Mongo chucks him hard with a, a slam as Luger's taking a beating. Luger wakes up the crowd with a comeback and ends up racking Benoit, but drops him as Flair and Arn come in to draw the DQ and gets beat down by the horsemen. Uh, this is okay. It was a pretty basic double team, and the crowd was a bit checked out. Final stretch into the finish was solid. Again, more story than match, which is ding Nitro a bit lately in the match category. So two and a half again. And the good thing here is the first hour was used to carry the in-ring quality. So the back end of these shows has been a little lacking with some of this stuff, but they figured it out, right? Because that was our bitch over the last couple of weeks is that the first hour was shaky. And then when we get to the story stuff in the second hour. It was like, okay, we're still not getting a lot of good in-ring stuff. But now at least they're delivering matches early, and then it's not as bad late when we have some of these distracted matches. And the crowd definitely was starting to get burned out by this point. Yeah, I, I only went two here. Um, I think I might have flipped the last two matches. <clears throat> I mean, this this was interesting. It was like I appreciated on one hand the uh, <clears throat> closing of the thread that the horsemen felt. You know, they gave up their spot, and Luger and Sting kind of fucked it up. So, it's like, all right. Right. Um, so, so, I appreciate that, but it does feel a little, I guess, foolish that, you know, you have this big threat going on with the NWO, and you're yeah. still, like, fighting amongst yourself. Um I was going to say the same I, thing. It does I look thought, silly that the horseman had beaten up Luger. Yeah, I thought that really came into play at the very end when, like, Arn and Flair, like, attack and really, like, hammer Luger. And right. then you, you jump to the limo backstage, which it's like, you know, come on, dude. Like, <laughs> I know you may not like him, but you got to Well, the only thing you can say is match. maybe you could just argue and say, like, they warned him that he would catch a beating if he's Yeah. Up. So, like, yeah. this is almost like here's your beating and then we're going to move on kind of thing, you know? Yeah. We'll have to see. I mean, there was right. that interesting moment. Um, it's been probably like a month ago um, now, but we're like the dungeon of doom at the end of the show was kind of helping mm-hmm. Savage back to the locker right. room. Um, so I thought that was a cool moment. And this, this felt like a little bit of a step back as a handicap match. It was all right, but I, I agree that the crowd was a little, burnt out on this and i I don't know i I don't know if it was mainly they just were it was a long night like a lot's happened they've been pretty engaged yeah Um, but yeah i think it feels weird it's like all right are we supposed to boo the horsemen they were kind of faces last night like i think it's this is where the nwo is going to get tricky because are we going to have 
Are we going to have three slices? Are we going to have faces, heels, and the NWO? Is, yeah. you know, like, so where's that going to fall? Or suddenly all of WCW is supposed to be faces, but we don't have enough NWO guys yet to really fill shows up with that. So, And again, we'll have to see, but it feels like it takes them a while to kind of figure that out. I mean, right. I don't know if they ever necessarily figure it out because... You still get, like, you know, Sting's already declared he's a free agent on the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, once Piper comes in, <laughs> you know, that's a whole right. different thing, too. So so we'll, we'll have to track that. It's it's a little mm-hmm. a little bit of a, a, a flaw in what's going on. I mean, overall, still, you know, very strong, but, you know, not perfect, which I don't know if any wrestling angle is. Well, the, the show could chronicle that where we can see, but you got to accentuate the weaknesses too and that's right this this felt like a slight one um it's kind of i don't know it's it's an interesting ending and and also the nwo not appearing in front of the crowd Mm -hmm. for the second nitro in a row uh besides six uh and i guess the week before was DBR did DBIC even appear in front of the crowd last week? I think it was two right. weeks before. So, so yeah, I mean, this is two weeks in a row. I don't think any NWO members have necessarily like appeared in front of the crowd on Nitro. So that's, that's a little weird too. Like you have Hogan at these shows and he's just like hanging out. Backstage, yeah. So. It's interesting for sure. And especially coming off war games where they win the right, you know, when the, like we didn't really get a ton of that. They just kept talking a little bit about it, but you thought they'd be all over the show tonight for sure. Yeah. You're hearing like their demands, but right. Yeah. You know, it feels like it's setting up for something more. All right. We close with Bischoff revealing Waltman to be now known as six. We, uh, S-Y-X-X. We cut outside <laughs> with the NWO stomping around in the rain. They recruit a cameraman to the limo with a living it up. We're watching Nitro on a little screen. They find out everyone but Savage will be in Japan next week. Six begs Hogan for a ticket. He says, Macho Man's my favorite. Hogan says, we'll arrange <laughs> tickets for everybody because everyone's been working so hard lately. And maybe he'll even get them backstage passes. Uh, so this is really good stuff. And it's not like a hackney-eyed where we find out their plan like through like a hidden camera. They're just fucking like they pulled the camera in there and said, Hey, no, these guys are going to be there. We're going to be there. And we're going to take over the show. So, um, that's what's to come there. Yeah. Uh, Hall says Chico. (laughs) Yes. The cameraman. So there, there's that. Uh, yeah. I mean, overall, you uh, think McDivitt like typed up a letter immediately after that. (laughs) They're probably listening. They perked up. Um, yeah, overall, a very kind of cool tease mm-hmm. for next week. And next week's an interesting uh, week to watch because, you know, you're already told, like, a lot of the WCW stars won't be there. Right. Um. So so they're upfront about that, but they kind of counteract that by now saying, like, oh, well, the NWO is probably going to have, like, this big plan. Right. So, so you expect a very NWO-heavy show. Mm-hmm. Uh, next week, right, made a make up uh, for these couple, yeah. Yep, and we will uh, we will see uh, how that reflects in the overall ratings when we get there. All right, so our awards quick here. Uh, match of the night for me was Conan versus Super Kolo. I actually went Norton versus uh, Savage. Okay, but I had like so you know I do the mm-hmm. ten point scale. I had the all three. Uh, three matches at three stars at Hoobie versus Ray at 
uh, Kolo versus Conan at six and Savage versus Norton at 6.1. So very, very negligible differences between all three of those matches for me. All right. Uh, best moment was uh, the Sting promo. Yep. I agree with that, which is kind of a little bit of an upset, I think, because mm-hmm. I think you might say six debut. But right. I actually want Sting promo, too. And I gave Sting the MVP. Me too. And that's, that's again, like you might say, and it's not that the six debut was bad. It's just right. like when you think, and again, like uh, also like, you know, using hindsight to a degree for this, uh, that Sting promo really sets up a lot in the next 15 months that carries the promotion. So it, it really catapults that. All right, uh, commentary lines had a few here. Mike, you may want to climb on my lap if they get any closer. That was Tony, and then Larry said, stay away from me. Maybe Miss Elizabeth's on the take. Flair went through all the alimony, however much it was. He can go through it. That was Larry still pushing the story that everyone else has forgotten. Uh, one of his eyes is blue, Bischoff. How many eyes does he have, Bobby? Uh, so that's all I really had there. Uh, that was about Glacier. Anything on your end? No, not that I didn't mention. There was a lot, lot going on the commentary tonight though uh, a lot of insight teases so a, a pretty pretty hefty night on commentary i would say mm-hmm. uh shots fired i guess we'll go with the tony kind of bragging on the ratings and yeah. also that six doesn't work for wwf uh, <laughs> it's not really a shot fire but it's kind of like part of this whole thing because about the um lawsuit trying to yeah had that. to clarify it yep uh debuts we had glacier we had six anyone else i missed there believe that's it you know okay and then i i ended up going six out of ten this week um i I thought it was a a above average very good episode just not a great episode that we maybe become accustomed to uh also you know the match quality was really good solid in the first half uh the back end kind of dipped like you said we didn't get a lot of nwo action in the arena so it felt coming off the pay-per-view this almost like a table setter episode versus like we're going to follow the preview of the red hot app. Like it felt like we're setting up for stuff to come versus we're delivering another classic episode. That one's seven, mm. uh, good ring action, um, big debut and a uh, great sting promo. So, but you know, I mean, not classic, but mm-hmm. overall another very enjoyable episode for me. That's the same for most of the shows here in Nutsout Connection Chat. Anything you want to hype up before we move on to Raw? Uh, well, so uh, I will say, like, for your consideration, we're uh, mm-hmm. kind of getting hot and heavy in the stretch project for 2022, revisiting our greatest WWE list. Uh, so for your consideration, has been a fun listen uh, with Will and Tyler and a bevy of guests kind of looking at uh, some different categories of guys to consider. They did like an NXT centric episode, a ring of honor centric episode, uh, one, uh, on the women. Uh, so, so a lot of kind of fun groupings of people that they're talking to. And that, that to me is a good complimentary piece to when you're and Aaron are doing your no holds barred episodes, uh, revisiting your, GWWE list uh, once a month, right? Yep, yep. So yep. we're you know neck deep in that, uh, getting close to the top fifty. We're almost there. So uh, GWE, and then also our buddies and viewers' choice, Marcus and uh, Tim Tim Mayor Taylor are delivering some special content here with Ruthless Aggressive on temporary hiatus. 
which will be back later in the summer. The the lads from Viewers Choice are stepping in to uh, do some GWE content as well. So it's every other Tuesday right now. So, I mean, look, we just got a constant flow of shows across all aspects. Um, a lot of cool content, a lot that you can kind of sit on if you have to and then check it out in a binge. But I really recommend everything that could go on. They're all easy listens, but they're informative, they're deep dives, a lot of fun nerd type stuff, too. Yep. All right, let's hop over to, for the final time, Chad, in the Wheeling <laughs> Civic Center, Wheeling, West Virginia. Yep. Uh, one more episode of Raw before In Your House Mind Games, September 16th, 96. Kevin Kelly, Jim Ross, and Jerry King Lawler are with us. Of course, they narrate an opening package about the Final Four and the Intercontinental Title Tournament. King also teases the Razor Ramon and Diesel rumors. Says we'll hear from Gorilla tonight about it. Gorilla Monsoon. Uh, plus, we'll get an update from Brett the Hitman Hart, who's in South Africa. So, kind of a big tease there. Uh, and then we get our opening animation. So, any quick thoughts on the first couple of minutes? No, I thought I thought it was. Uh, okay to set the table for the episode, but um, let's dive into it. <laughs> I got some stuff to say about this one. All right, well, we get right to our opening match, and just like we had Glacier debut over on Nitro, <laughs> another big debut here tonight as the Sultan makes his arrival in the WF to take on Jake Snake Roberts. Of course, the Sultan is managed by Bob Backlund and Iron Sheik, and they've been teasing their partnership over the past couple weeks. Jake comes out and chases off the King as Kevin and JR set up for the night ahead. King heads to the back as Jake tees up for his match for this big debut. Of course, the Sultan is the former Fatu, uh, but he's got a kind of a mask on and uh, we'll get into his backstory in a second here, courtesy of uh, the King. <laughs> so Backlund and King uh, both hop in the booth. So that, that should be fun. King calls Jake a drunken idiot. And he says he must've chased the King because he thought he had a bottle in his pocket. Backlund talks up Sultan's size and his ability to procure the World Wrestling Federation Championship. Tells Jim Rossi better to agitate him here tonight. King says the legend is that the Sultan was held hostage in the Middle East and as a result had his tongue cut out and he cannot speak. So that's why he has that little mask over his mouth and we'll never hear him talk. JR plugs his big bombshell announcement that's still to come. Jake is focused on the King calling him out from the ring. Uh, very slow match. Assaulted is meandering through some strikes. Jake is more into Lawler than the match. Backlund has been very quiet, sadly. We're not getting some of the fun stuff we've had lately from him. Uh, just King doing his bullshit. King distracts Jake and allows Sultan to lock the camel clutch in for the win. Backlund's entranced, and uh, JR asks a question, and Backlund is just staring at him, which to me was the highlight <laughs> of the match. Uh, <laughs> he's just completely in a trance. It's so weird. He's staring down JR. Uh, this is boring and aimless. It was more about continuing this fucking Jake and King feud uh, than anything to do with Sultan, who did not inspire any excitement at all. So I went a half a star on this, Chad. Not the best debut for the Sultan. Yeah, half a star for me. This was bad. Yeah. Um, first off, Sultan, pretty obvious it's fought too. <laughs> right. Not, yeah. not, not too, uh, not too. Uh, I guess uh, distracting there. Not, right. not kind of leading you off the scent of that. Uh, Backlund says Sultan is large and skillful enough to procure the WWF title <laughs> in the near future. So very optimistic. Um, yeah, but he left all the training to the Iron Sheik. So it's like, what's he doing then? <laughs> I don't know. Right. I, I thought this was the roughest Jake looked, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, he looked very happy. Well, you have to wonder, is he back, you know, back off the wagon? Yeah, he, he definitely kind of looked like it here. I right. don't know. 
Uh, he goes for the DDT, Sultan Bells, very methodical start, and then the the finish with the bottle cap or whatever to distract mm-hmm. Jake, and then Sultan locking in the camel clutch and winning. It, it felt like a very cheap finish for a debut. Uh, but this starts what will be a prevailing theme uh, for me on this show that I think they do an atrocious job uh, shilling mind games. Yeah. Uh, and this starts because it's like, well, King has a match on the show mm-hmm. versus Mark Henry, but you wouldn't know that here. Like, it's all right. about him versus Jake. It's, it's, it's not like uh, Jake is in Henry's corner or training Henry. No. It's like nothing to do with no that. No connection. At all. Yeah. Well, Henry no saved con- Jake at SummerSlam, but beyond that, there's been nothing going on. Yeah. So just feels very haphazard that. Six days out from this mm-hmm. show, we're still rehashing something that right. should have been buried at SummerSlam. I mean, it's right. not like the feud felt so hot at right. SummerSlam that you might want to revisit. So, bad debut, uh, bad storyline development, mm-hmm. and Jake looked bad in ring, half a star. And Sultan's been a guy they've been hyping. It was like, yeah, this big contender for the title and all this other stuff. And it's such a far bomb. <laughs> like, you knew this guy had no chance as soon as they came out. Just... Yeah, I mean, it just... They would have been better know. off just, like, keeping him Fatu and turning him, like, Backlund and Sheik swayed him to be, like, nasty or whatever. And, like, maybe tweaks his look a little bit instead of the stupid character that obviously has no chance. I wonder if they thought that might be a little too crushish. Maybe. I, I don't know. I, I mean, I uh, think... maybe they thought Mankind worked with the mask and Mysterious so they could do something like that here. I, just, it just seems like, I mean, you look at this and, like, even as a kid, you're going to think this guy's got no fucking chance. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> like, no, he's not going to go. No. All right. Owen Hart, Brian Pillman are excited backstage. They have a big interview with Bret Hart on Sunday. They're also going to talk about the Hart reconciliation. Uh, amongst the family, in comes Steve Austin. He says he'll be there too, and he wants his answers. He's the best there is. Jim Ross basically says they're all full of shit, and that they're not going to have Brett on Sunday. So, um, I mean, Owen and Pillman and Austin—that's like a dream trio right now for the stale company. So I'm all in on whatever they're doing. Yeah, I thought this was pretty good tease for Sunday. Uh, <clears throat> you know, what <laughs> what they say is good for Sunday. We'll get Brett's rebuttal later, which is less good, but um. It was fine. Raw <laughs> saying like that they're full of crap is pretty funny when he's promising Razor and Diesel. Again, that's like, did they know that he sounded hypocritical? Was that intentional? I think so, but still pretty interesting nonetheless. All right, time for our next match. Tag team match. Smoking Guns taking on Bob Holly, still around, <laughs> and Alex the Pug Porto. Sonny leads out the guns who defend their titles against Owen Hart and the British Bulldog on Sunday. Uh, Jim Ross's Cornette will have a public workout later for his big match at Jose Lothario, Mind Games. Sonny shows off that life-size poster again down from the ceiling. I don't even know the last time I saw Holly on the show. I mean, it's was it when Mankind beat him in his debut? Like, I don't know if he's been on since. Uh, yeah, I'll check that, but it feels like it has been a while. Uh, we get a slate showing off the new fall TV lineup as we come back from break. Just kind of lots going on right now in this company. Billy has a cast on his left arm. He gets worked over by Holly. Cornette, Bulldog, and Owen come out with chairs to observe as JR says Razor, Ramon, and Diesel will be live on Raw next week, and he guarantees it. 
JR also says that Cornette is the greatest Richard Simmons since he is in his workout gear. JR plugs the debut of Livewire this Saturday. It'll be hosted by Jim Cornette and Sonny. The guns stooge around a bit before taking over. They keep getting distracted by Cam Cornette, who's trolling them. JR runs down some upcoming events, getting a lot of news in during this fucking match. The guns dominate and survive a little flurry from Holly and get an assist from Sonny. But Owen gets on the apron and Billy comes over and smacks his drink. But Holly rolls up gun to steal the win. Uh, so not much here. Some up, upbeat stuff, I guess. Just kind of working through the offense. Focused uh, on Sunday's title match with Camp Cornette trolling the guns. I don't think we needed the upset. Um, I guess it pushes that, you know, this kind of brewing angle that Bart is a little aggravated. Billy is not taking things as seriously. Uh, more involved with Sonny. Uh, I think we could have just maybe had them get distracted, almost lose, and then pull, pull it out. Uh, but whatever. Two stars for me. Um, there's a couple of things here. Blast off. Never. Yeah, that was a um. WGN. It said. Yeah, it's a local, like local to Chicago, thing. I think it was just like shotgun, but it called blast off or so. Okay. Well, they didn't have shotgun yet. Maybe it was superstars. I think repackaged. Or it was something like one of those deals where they would slightly repackage other stuff into like made it feel like a custom show for that market. You know, like in the early 90s, WCW Pro had a WGN exclusive show. Right. Um, and it was different matches. So I thought, yeah. I thought that was interesting. I think it's something along those lines. They would do that later, too, like it, later in the 90s for New York. They had like mm-hmm. that New York special show and stuff. So, OK, uh, second thing, do you think there's any chance that obviously this was taped and mm-hmm. this was an upset that. Uh, the reason they did the Brad Armstrong mm. Hugh Morris upset was to kind of counteract this one. Yeah, I think I wouldn't rule it out. You would have seen that one first, right? But I wouldn't rule it out that they did it just to subtly fuck with WF. Yeah. Um, as far as the match, like I, I thought the guns, <clears throat> excuse me, the guns had some good double team moves. Mm-hmm. Uh, Porto's just—he's <laughs> not good. <laughs> uh, Billy is really cocky. Misses a dive in the corner. Holly again gets the hot tag, which I've talked about is a problem mm-hmm. because Holly's just not very sympathetic as a hot right. tag person. I, I, you know, I talked about that in the Survivor Series 2007 uh, review that I did on Place to Be podcast, and it mm-hmm. holds true here. It's like 11 years before. Uh, and I did look it up. We hadn't seen him since a match with Austin on the June 3rd. Well, okay. Is that when he debuted the stunner? It might have been. Maybe. So three and a half months. Yeah. So been a while. Uh, Sonny on the apron, crotches Holly. Uh, the sidewinder gets two, but then, of course, Owen gets on the apron. They argue, and then we get mm-hmm. the upset. I, I mean, it was fine. Like, I, I, I don't know. Like, the, the tag team title match at Mind Games kind of came out of nowhere. Right. So I kind of see, like, all right, they did that to build a little heat. And as we'll get to on this show, like, it's not a show mm-hmm. that builds really any matches on the pay-per-view very well at all. So at least they did something here. Um, but it, it kind of didn't make me, like, clamor to see that match or anything. So it, it was okay. Star and a half for me. All right, we get a Superstars on USA ad. So that's part of this new fall season. Superstars moves to Sundays on USA instead of syndication. Gorilla Monsoon then joins us from his office. He's going to give his official stance on this news from Jim Ross. Gorilla says his curiosity's peaked, but he can say for sure that Kevin Nash and Scott Hall will not be appearing 
Both are under contract to another organization, and he apologized if any fans felt hoodwinked by Jim Ross. Jim Gorilla will stand by. If he hears any of the rumors to that effect, he'll use his power accordingly. Kevin tells us that JR stormed off as Gorilla was saying that and did not look happy. So <laughs> Gorilla is shouting this down. Notice, though, he didn't say anything about Razor and Diesel. He said Kevin Nash and Scott Hall will not be here. Uh, so they're obviously laying the seeds, trying to avoid any potential countersuits or any fan, you know, false advertising type stuff because they're coming right out and saying it. Razor and Diesel will be on Raw. Hall and Nash are not coming in. So they're kind of telegraphing where we're headed here. Yeah, and it just... You know, like again, it's it's t- you know it's a point of comparison, but it's like right. a point of comparison, like the NWO and the limo talking about like Nitro next week and then mm-hmm. wreaking havoc, just seems so much cooler and more interesting than whatever the hell this is going to end up being next week with Diesel and Razor Ramon appearing overall. Like, right. it it just feels like you're leading to. I mean, you're setting the you're setting the audience up for a disappointment because either mm-hmm. like Ross all of a sudden is a complete buffoon and right, you know, is it correct or what happens happens, which is a letdown too. Like mm-hmm. it's it's it really feels like they put themselves in a no win situation, right? With the way this angle's been presented, so I well, mean, it almost feels like well, and it feels like um, if they were more smarter or sharper they would have done this more as like a parody, right? Like we see what's to come in ECW soon after this. That's a major parody. Um, they kind of yeah. try to fuck their not man, but I was going say they, they don't have a good track record. Right. Of that. But could they have done something where it's like a buffoon version of the outsider? You know what I mean? Like instead of trying to sell that, well, the gimmicks are ours and we're going to put better workers and then we'll get to this. But um, would that have been a way to go about it? You know? Yeah. Ross just is at the person to like lead that charge though no it should have not been him right they should right. just came in and like been mocking them or something yeah it's, uh, it's, or, I mean, know, there's, we'll it there's possibilities but um or you know. know commit to the ross part like i feel like they don't really go all the way with it which is i, I think he could have maybe got it over if he stuck with it but it's one of those this is this has got to be one of the weirdest angles because mm-hmm. Because it's very tough to gauge, like, what their, like, what was their best case scenario for this. Right. Right. That like, Razor was it, Diesel are really good in the ring, and everyone gets excited by these guys. I mean, <laughs> like, I mean, was it, like, from a lawsuit perspective, like, they just wanted to present that, you know, they can have anybody be that, and it's the characters and not the people? Right. I, I don't know. Like, I... I it's 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 it really feels like one of the biggest instances of someone like working themselves into a shoot and now they're kind of totally committed to this angle that we'll we'll see i'm I'm really interested to see if it bombs as badly as I seem to remember so so we'll see how it goes but i i so far it's been weirdly convoluted. Again, no, nothing for the pay-per-view, because they're right. not saying they're at the pay-per-view at all. It's just next week overall. So it's another thing that we're foregoing the pay-per-view in six days to devote a lot of time to something that's happening mm-hmm. overall next week. So it's it's weird, just weird, weird, weird all around. 
All right, King is in the ring. He's with Vader and Jim Cornette. Is ready for a public workout to prep for Sunday. Cornette rants about Vader beating Shawn Michaels twice to SummerSlam and not getting a title match or the title that night. And also says Clarence Mason and Sonny are trying to steal his talent. And now he has to face 127-year-old Jose Lothario. guy named Tony Williams comes in for Cornette to spar with. He wants to show what Vader's taught him. Cornette works the arm, but Williams shoves him off. And Cornette and King are not happy about this. Cornette gets a headlock, but Williams counters again. King tells him to chill. Williams then takes Cornette down and works his leg as King berates him. And finally, Vader attacks and just waxes Williams as Cornette slaps him around. Uh, not much here. It adds a little bit of heat to Vader being a prick. And I thought Cornette had a few funny lines, um, but all in all, just time waster. Yeah. For a match, I mean, no one wants to see it in your this, house. This is probably where the, like, this wasn't bad mm-hmm. in of itself in a vacuum, but between the oversaturation of Cornette that we've gotten, right. it, it kind of hindered this a little bit. Um, yeah. You know, the joke about Lothario having an autographed copy of the Bible. Like, yeah, I mean, that's funny ish, right. but, but the workout and everything, I mean, it is what it is. Um, not a match as we talked about that should be happening at this juncture at this pay-per-view. Right. Uh, we're kind of July would have been the time. Right. And Vader, I, I mean, I guess they're still wanting to keep him like in the mix to a degree, but mm-hmm. I mean, you think about like the month he's had since losing the championship match right. Right. at SummerSlam, but it's, it's a rough, it's kind of a pretty rough taping cycle for him where he's beating up a jobber. So. Right. Yeah. We've really just, again, we've had like, since January, his debut at the Rumble, we probably have like maybe what six weeks total of him looking like the monster he could look like. Yeah, I mean, the Rumble the night after. I think there was a couple weeks in there, maybe leading up to like Mania, uh, when he broke Yoko's leg, mm-hmm. and then like international incident and leading up to SummerSlam. Other than that, like and even during that stretch, like he had that stupid match with Henry Godwin. You know, oh, God, yeah. when it was go bring it in the fight. Getting all fans. Oh, yeah. Stupid. All right. Back to the ring for one of uh, our first Intercontinental Tournament semifinal match. The winner here will go on to Raw next week to compete for the vacant title as Mark Merrow <clears throat> takes on Owen Hart. Jim Ross is back in the booth. He says he was hurt by Gorilla Monsoon's comments, and he's never misled anybody about this. Pat Patterson is in the booth, and we find out he will referee the finals of the tournament next week. Mero's all juiced up. He's ready to go. Good chance. We'll see you again. Can he change this narrative and get some momentum going? Pat says he knows. He believes JR. The Razor Ramon and Diesel will be here next week. So trying to add some credibility here with Patterson. JR says uh, he talks about Mero's match at Bulldog in South Africa. How Owen Hart got involved and has created a rivalry here. King then has a bombshell. He says that Pat Patterson and Farouk are close friends. And wonders if Farouk wins, what Pat will do refereeing that match. King fans the flames on Gorilla and JR. Gorilla comes in and says he's just talking business, not friendship. As a journalist, JR needs to be scrutinized, and he needs to scrutinize his sources. JR asks Gorilla directly, have I ever misled you before? JR says not everything in the has to go across Gorilla's desk, and Gorilla says we will see next week. Patterson says he's never messed with, uh, never met with Gorilla about this, even though he's refereeing next week. So he's trying to stoke the flames as well. Kind of an odd twist with Patterson being JR's lap boy here, uh, trying to cause some trouble. Owen has controlled much of this match, a bit slow, uh, some decent stuff. JR's adamant about these sources. He vows Razor and Diesel are going to be in the ring. 
Owen smacks Mero with the cast, which he still has on. JR says it's bullshit. Gorilla should make him take that cast off. He's had it on. Uh, he had it off for most of the South Africa tour, but still here. JR's getting all kinds of hot. We get an ad for Mind Games during the match. Mero makes his comeback after the break. He heats up a bit as uh, Goat takes it to the air. We get a collision. Owen finally takes off the cast. He pelts Mero with it for a good near fall. Mero then gets the cast and smacks Owen for the win. Uh, this is fine. No heat at all, though. Just everything feels bland. It's paint by numbers in these matches. They're just missing some kind of hook. Mero is getting on track, and he's got a huge opportunity, his biggest, really, since arriving next week now for the IC title. But the match itself was kind of boring. It was all just JR bickering, Patterson stoking the flames. I went two and a half stars, which is disappointing. And I think we're finally done with the cast, Chad, because between Mero using it here and then also um, JR dropping that Owen didn't use it in South Africa, which would have really happened after this was taped, tells you that this is probably the end of the road for that. Yeah, okay. Um, <clears throat> I went two and three quarters. I actually thought if you could uh, put aside all the weird stuff and just focus on the end ring, um, this was close to three stars. I was I was teetering. I didn't like the finish, uh, so I dropped it down. But I didn't like what Owen did in the match. I, I thought he looked better than in some of these other matches that I've right. been disappointed in his performance in. Uh, but, yeah, there's a lot going on. So uh, there's crowd sweetening when there is noise, which is annoying. Mm-hmm. And then this whole, uh, again, like, we're building for next week because the finals are next week. Yep. So this doesn't build anything to the pay-per-view. So get that caveat out of the way. Uh, and then Pat Patterson, like, I mean, where did this come from? Like, uh, he, when he comes out there, I'm like, oh, this is, you know, a neat little wrinkle, and they love having these people on gas commentary spots. Uh, but then he he really gets involved in it. He's buddies with Farouk. It was like, what what is going on here? It was, uh, I thought that really came out of nowhere. Yeah, it was weird. The whole thing was weird. Using Patterson as, like, kind of a heel proxy for JR. I don't. Yeah, I don't really get it. Uh, King mentions that, uh, you know, he'll have a temper tantrum like Tiger Woods, which is kind of kind of interesting to hear in, like, right. September 96, right, right before he, you know, still was starting to become prominent, but, you mm-hmm. know. Right at the onset, so uh, actually, like finger on the pulse mention from King. Right, he had the Tupac one last week, so he's kind of on a roll. Um, as far as the actual moves, uh, the slingshot dive, the somersault, watch a little good, uh, nasty head to head hit where both men are down. Uh, but then again, the finish I thought was just dumb, mm-hmm. where like, um, you know the. I don't know why, how the referee couldn't possibly see that Marrow hit the cast. So it just looked weak. The cast is overplayed. It's, it's just enough is enough of that. So that dropped it down. I did mention, like, they go to break and they give, like, that 30-second shield for mind games. With yes. Owen, or not Owen, but Madcon versus Sean. Yeah. And at this point, we're like over halfway through the show and i think that was the first time 
that the main event of the pay-per-view was even mentioned. Right. And that was like a promo on a, uh, on a quick little, uh, you know, bumper coming back to the show. So I, I just, I don't, I don't know. I don't know why they decided to punt this pay-per-view. It's complete um, punt. Yeah. I mean, even with a marquee main event, like it only looks that way because we know how good it is afterward. Right. Like, but going in, there's really not much here. Like, and they're already kind of, as we'll see at my games, like they're kind of marching more toward the next one after that. Like I was, yeah, trying it felt to, like a complete mail-in. I was trying to rack my brain on pay-per-views that had been built to less than this up to this point, and it was like, right. you know, like Battle Bowl '93. <laughs> it was, it's, it's pretty slim pickings. Like it's just. I wonder just how much they got fucked up too between the U.S. Open delay, the Raw Friday, they missed a week, plus the fall season change. It seems like they're just trying to get through this month, and then like reset with the new lineup, um, and refocus. So it very much felt like they really got screwed by like the tennis stuff and the in the delay and all that. Like it, it just felt like they figured, okay, whatever, we'll get our maybe our hardcore base to buy this one and maybe maybe I mean, or maybe sean mankind is a kind of like a dream match to some insiders kind of thing you know and maybe ahmed screwed some stuff up but right like their point of emphasis is just so off like right yeah why not do the ic so title match on the paper here? yeah like it's there's so much like like i mean now next week overall you've already promoted razor and diesel mm-hmm. plus the ic title finals like Right. There's They're definitely s- hyping the live raw way more. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the live the live raw is getting way more hype in my game. So it's just it's just odd. It, it was really off putting. Um. So yeah, I mean, as far as the match, pretty good. Actually, one of the better ones we've seen on Raw. Again, I don't think we've had a good match on Raw in over a month now. So, uh, they're due. So maybe it'll happen sooner than later. Do you think that? I mean, is it just like a sweeps month thing, maybe? Uh, as far as them, why they're, they're focusing on that raw focusing, so much? I think, I think it's the ratings. I, I, I yeah. truly think the ratings are the big factor because maybe we're feeling some you, pressure. Yeah. If you look at the trend of the ratings that we've chronicled, like WCW had been winning, right? But it would have been like that, you know, 0. 0.6, 0. 0.7, off, 0. 0.8, 0. 0.5. You know, like they were within yeah. striking distance for a lot of those weeks. And then, like, uh, last week, it was 1.3. Right. And we'll get to this week's rating. But, oh, boy. <laughs> it's not pretty. So, now... There and that and that could be where tennis screwed them because right. that does seem like that was an opportunity that WCW seized mm-hmm. and gained some of the audience from Raw. I mean, because Raw in of itself has been doing. I mean, they've had a couple of drops like in the summer, like you always see, right? But they were hitting 
you know, 2.7 at different points throughout the year. And even like, you know, in, in, uh, in mania season, they were cooking like in, uh, in, um, in April, they had 3.1, 3.3, 2.9, a 4.1 when they went, uh, when Nitro was late and they were unopposed for a while. Um, so, so they were really cranky and now they're in the point where, yeah, I'm just looking and they don't get above a 2.6 for the remainder of the year. Yeah, I mean, and you know it's a problem for them in the future. Like, yep. it's one of the reasons they leave USA eventually. Like, they never were happy with these preemptions, you know, and that's why even when they come back to USA, <laughs> that was gone, right? They, they they forced the other shit off the network. So, um, so, so I mean, I, yeah. I understand, like, it's crappy timing for them, but I do blame them, too. It's like, I mean, right. they're obviously, like, not presenting product that's... Right, engaging enough that oh, that too, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, because you got to remember, like WCW two with the NBA playoffs. Yeah, they have the same issue. backed up, so they they have the same crap going on too. It's it's uh, if, if the product's good enough, hot enough, it'll sustain that. And yeah. right now they're not, but that it it definitely feels like I think when they got that nine nine rating coming off, mm-hmm. and it was they were one point three behind. It was like, oh man, we got to do right. something. We got to focus on this. You know? Yep. And so they really put this raw as a point of emphasis to put over the live raw next week. Um, and we'll get to and it. And sell this new fall season, right? Like they're doing all these big new TV things that they want people engaged in. So yeah, it feels just like they're just trying to get through this show so they can launch like their new presentation and then we'll get to it to see whether that was a success or not but right you know i think history you know how that <laughs> all right we get highlights of the recent tour of south africa king calls a hippo that he sees jr's wife <laughs> yeah. uh we find out bret hart wrestled and jr says it could be his last match uh in the wf this was a contract he had signed prior to leaving after WrestleMania 12 we then hear from brett who says that pillman's a liar he never made a commitment to be in philadelphia <laughs> His brother Owen's a liar, too, but he has not forgotten his fans. He's just made commitments to people in Hollywood, and he's having a good time at home and hasn't decided what his future will be just yet. So this kind of a state of the union to put Brett back in our minds as we maybe start to inch towards something. But uh, this is fine. <laughs> yeah, another uh, shit on the pay-per-view where <laughs> how dare somebody say I'm going to be at this pay-per-view. I know, right? Oh, wow. I, I, I wouldn't show up with that garbage. <laughs> But otherwise, it was okay. Um, uh, I don't, another kind of weird angle, though. Like between the raw stuff with Razor Diesel and this, like there's mm-hmm. a lot of like wild accusations that are being right. thrown around. Yeah. And again, it's kind of tough for this. Like, what was the end game here? Like, we'll see how this plays out. So, right. But I think I think this is a more clear end game because it's all just yes. to giving Austin the platform. Right. Um, so this at least has a tangible, and, and there's a world somewhere where we get an Austin Pillman Owen stable. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. like, it would have been awesome if they did Davey like too. Yeah, yeah we're, they're kind of working for toward Austin in a horseman type role, right? Something like that. Yep. Cool. 
All right, main event time. It is uh, our second semifinal match as Psycho Sid takes on Farouk. Uh, Kevin says Brian Pillman will be a live wire and he'll clear things up. JR says Brett is under contract, but this has some potential to get ugly. Uh, Sonny has changed outfit. She has a dress on now for this match. We get another ad for Livewire. Kevin tells us the show will be family friendly and interactive and plugs how you can interact uh, with the show. <laughs> I would say it actually ends up being not quite family friendly. It's <laughs> that stuff we get uh, from them. Uh, we get a big pop for Sid as he stalks out. Big prize on the line. King says, I'm a Johnson. His homie to kidney beans. Uh, Farouk tries to overpower, but Sid no sells and runs through him as Sonny's worrying. Farouk works the kidneys a bit, and we get some inset promo from Ahmed, issuing a warning to Farouk, and Sonny tells him that all they did was light the fire, and he'll burn their asses. JR again promises Razor and Diesel for next week as King presses him on it. JR vows he's telling the truth. It's a bit sluggish here, as you expect. Some okay hot stuff. We get some more hype about Sunday's main event, finally, which has had no builder heat, like you said, at the, on the show at all. Sid flips out of the Dominator, hits a choke slam, but Sonny ties up the ref. Farouk uses a chair, but Sid kicks out. Sid then grabs the chair and gets a very weak chair shot on Farouk. The ref sees him, and uh, Sid gets DQ'd. I mean, Farouk was literally <laughs> falling to the ground before Sid even hit him. Uh, about what you'd expect. Uh, okay, Haas stuff in there, but it was slow. The finish was, I guess, all you could do. You're not going to have Sid get pinned. you got to make Farouk get to the final. Uh, Sid is super over. His big spots look great, just not much here. <clears throat> and looking back at this, I just would have left Sid out of the out of the tournament and yeah. give us someone that uh, Farouk could pin. So I went two stars. I mean, whatever. Two stars for me um, as well. Sid's a problem right now mm-hmm. because between this and the Raw Championship Friday Battle Royal that he just got like flinged over and then right. got his heat back, like you know, like he he's over. He's one of the few people that it's over enough mm-hmm. but he's in this tournament for the IC title and he kind of does this dumbass finish where he gets right. himself DQ'd and he didn't look great in that battle royal so it's it's kind of a, a small miracle that what ends up happening with him mm-hmm. does uh, well it's just that natural connection he's got with the fans he's so over with the big spots like yeah that helped yeah they would have been better served after SummerSlam during this four weeks just to leave him out of all this shit and just let him wreck a couple guys leading up to this. Like that would have been better served than having him even make the finals of that battle Royal or be in this tournament. And then you kind of give him a complaint, right. Leading up to Barrett alive to say, Hey, what the hell? Like I'm not getting any chances here. Right. Yeah. It could lead to better for him and Vader. Um, as a match itself, I thought you hit on it. It was, it was decent horse man stuff, but plotting at points mm-hmm. too. Uh, I thought Farouk had a really good power slam, but then said like no sells it. Yeah. Um. I I think Farouk and Sunny's kind of an odd pairing. Mm-hmm. Just I don't know. She don't really compliment him, and she's not very active. It doesn't feel like that much. Uh, she does get on the apron here at the finish, but but before that, it's you you can't quite figure out how they came together. Like it doesn't feel like they fit. So, um, yeah, everything's a little odd. I mean, Farouk, too. Like, Farouk's a little odd, too, because he's, you know, he put Ahmed on the shelf, and as we talked about, he hadn't exactly, like, ran over people on his way to the finals here. So, we will see. We'll see what the title match is, but Mero versus Farouk isn't exactly the most enticing Mm -hmm. match, I'd say, on paper. 
No. It's still curious they didn't do it on the pay-per-view, but again, I think they were just trying to get the rating and kick off the fall season. So, yeah. All right, Undertaker's with us. It gives us a final warning to Goldust for the final curtain match. Goldust will be one to be destroyed before he can get to Mankind of Paul Bearer. It'll be the premiere of a new Undertaker. Uh, then we get Kevin, JR, and King running down mind games one last time. Then we hear from Mankind and Paul Bearer. Just kind of wrap things up. Not, nothing much going on there. So, uh, one last attempt at a hard sell. <laughs> yeah, Even Undertaker and Mankind are fighting. They're still kind of at each other through these other matches. Yeah, it feels like Taker and Mankind are still the more heated issue. Mm-hmm. Um, I did like Foley at the end saying, you know, after he wins the title, he'll be the sexy boy. So, <laughs> I mean, that was funny. But, yeah, I mean, this, this was this was two minutes of a 44-minute runtime show devoted to the top two matches on the pay-per-view. And you didn't see Taker. You didn't see Sean in right. front of the crowd. Yeah. Um, just bad. Right. Bad show. Let's wrap it up. Uh, match of the night, uh, Mero and Owen. Yep. Okay. Moment. I just I want a gorilla statement. I don't. Know. I mean, there wasn't much. I don't else know. Going on. I guess either that or Austin promo, but that was so quick. I, I guess yeah. I'll go Monsoon as well. I actually get Monsoon the MVP. Uh, <laughs> I thought he was fine in that promo, and like I liked when he called in. And was just like shitting on Jr. Like, like I don't know. I thought he was the most engaging part of this whole fucking show tonight. I went ahead and gave it to Owen because mm. I'd been a little down. On some of his performances and thought he was good entering here. All right, commentary. You threw you threw one of those bottles, airport booze. That was Kevin at King. <laughs> I had a nightmare last night. Honey <laughs> was my mother, but I was a bottle baby. That was King. Fuck oh my god. Uh, the Cowboys got beat twice. Dallas yesterday and the smoking guns tonight. That was Kevin. Jim, good to see your back, especially after seeing your front. That was King. <laughs> Jr. getting hot, throwing a Tiger Woods temper tantrum. That was King. Yeah. And you let these fans say what's on their mind. There'll be a lot of dead air. That was King about Livewire. <laughs> uh, no shots fired from Raw. We had two debuts, Tony Williams and the Sultan. Yep. And I, I mean, I thought this was a little bit better than last week. Uh, the match, at least, Mary Owen was a little bit better. We had the Monsoon stuff. We had some decent hype for next week. So I ended up with a four out of ten. I was three and a half out of ten last week. So Yeah, I went, I went three out of ten again. Um, I, I thought the match of quality was better but i just can't get over how poorly they built this Mm. pay-per-view like it's it's really one that you know (laughs) i don't know like like it it was one where i i kind of thought that because of how the pay-per-view turned out Mm -hmm. that i was looking forward to seeing the build right and it's just there's nothing there like, like the Sean Mankind stuff has been nothing and very disappointing. Um, even as like a one-off, like I, I don't even know if we've gotten a Saturday night's main event level feud between. Right. I mean, it's been it's been low, so very very disappointing. Yeah, they're definitely in a funk, and hopefully, this is uh, nearing the end of that funk. We'll see. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, my games will be next. We'll see how that portrays. But let's get to our combo awards. All right, 9-16. So I think we're comfortably on uh, the Nitro is the better show. Yep. Stretch here, best match. What do you uh, want to go with? I think overall probably our average will be uh, Kolo Conan, which <laughs> is a bit of an upset there. 
All right, best segment, obviously Sting's promo. Yeah. Uh, uh, Better commentary, Nitro. Yeah. Sting, Star. Yep. And then Nitro wins. So another sweep for WCW here. Yeah, so the ratings. uh, Last week, 3.7 to 2.4. This week, 3.7. So Nitro held firm. 2.1. So it's getting destroyed. So, you know, like we said, like 1.3 gap last week, which was, I want to make sure that's the biggest gap. Uh, That tied the biggest gap that Nitro had had the night, uh, well, two nights after Hogwild was a 1.3 gap too. Um, but so the nine nine tied that. This is the largest win for Nitro. Yeah, so we're—I mean—we're really in the. This this is really thick of it. Yeah, I would say from now until oh, now until April mm-hmm. is where you see the largest. Right, spread. Gaps. Yeah, the largest spread for Nitro just dominated. Well, we'll see. It'll be curious, like, I'm curious when the product of WF gets better. Even the ratings don't follow yet. You know what I mean? Like, when does it actually get to the way we're like, oh, you know what? They're actually turning around. My prediction is it's after Buried Alive is where we start to be a little bit more enjoyed. Okay. And then I, I I remember liking the winter with all the everything up in the air with the with the title and like kind of trading around this this more of like a mix of stars versus just a top feud. So well that's kind of my memory, but we'll see if it plays out. Right. All right, so that'll do it. We'll be back in. Uh, we'll see. Uh, maybe two weeks and maybe, <laughs> maybe. four, depending on our schedule. Right. We're gonna figure things out. But yeah. our next episode will be in your house mind games. So we're looking forward to breaking that one down. We'll see if they can deliver a good show despite the build. Uh, and then we'll start marching toward, believe it or not, we actually have back-to-back WF pay-per-views. Yeah. For another WCW one. So yeah. we'll have a, a lot of build, and then we'll have Buried Alive, and then Halloween Havoc. So um, Havoc's uh, a bit away. So that'll be another curious thing, too. Can WCW keep this momentum, you know, over what? One, two, three, four, five, six weeks. Six, yeah. Six nitros, right? Yeah. Yeah. We'll see how that continues. Uh, So that'll do it. Smell the napalm. We'll talk to you soon. You try to defend that you are not the one to blame. But I find it hard, my friend, when I'm in the deadly aim. What those angry eyes? Well, I bet you wish you could cut me those angry eyes What a shot you could be If you could shoot at me With those angry eyes You and I must start to realize Blindness binds us together in the fall